You know the vibes. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast brought to you by NBA 2K23. As always, I am Mo Mootsi. Alongside me, the one and only Mr. BJ Armstrong. Real name, no gimmicks. You know the vibes. Listen, BJ, a lot going on in the league right now. A lot of high scoring performances. We're going to dive into all of this. But first and foremost, we got to talk about an issue around the NBA right now because the collective bargaining agreement is coming up for a renewal. And a new story broke today with some of the details about the points that are being discussed towards the future of the league. So if you guys at home didn't know that the CBA collective bargaining agreement is the agreement between the owners of the league who own the teams and the players association. So all of the players and obviously the league itself. So, you know, they agree on these things and they sign it for BJ. How many years do they sign it for at a time usually? Uh, it's normally four to five years. They'll revisit it. So it just kind of, as problems arise, like, you know, the latest was during COVID, you know, they have to, there's things that you have to amend as things happen. So normally four to five years, they will take a look at it. And if things aren't going in the direction that they intended it on both sides, they will do it. So normally it's like a five year period. So it's great that we're seeing that these negotiations are moving along because that's how you get a lockout. When the owners and the players can't agree to a CBA, that's when you end up in a lockout like we did about 10, 12 years ago and like they did in 1999. So BJ, I'm going to hit you with some of the topics that they're talking about. And I want to get your take, whether it's a good move, whether it should be moved differently. And we're going to go straight in. So the first thing that they're talking about is negotiating new luxury tax tiers and rates to increase the lower tier and make it more viable for teams to spend money into the tax. As salaries continue to increase across the league, increasing the lower tax bracket here allows the tax tiers to match up with the money being spent. So in essence, making a small dip into the luxury tax will be more manageable and then the step up charges, uh, and then it steps up the charges for those franchises who are willing to go all in into the luxury tax. And obviously the increasing of each of the thresholds for the teams that make the luxury tax um, leads to steeper payments. So the more luxury tax you pay, the more tax you're going to, the, the more salary you pay, the more luxury tax you're going to have to pay. And in a league now, when they get a new TV deal and they've got higher revenues, they're going to have more money, a higher salary cap. So they're going to look at the luxury tax. Do you think it needs changing? Do you think that it should be easier for smaller teams, smaller market teams to spend into the luxury tax? You, you know, Mo, these things are, but again, Mo, I, I'm, I'm older now, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in my 50s. I've been hearing the same argument now for the last 30-something years. Should they spend or should they not spend? Do we need easier breaks or in this case and an incentive to spend you know well th th these negotiations to me boils down to it's one simple thing i just all i want to do is see people try to win that's it I, I, yes. it it's just that's, that's it like i'm not asking for a guarantee that you're going to win a championship i just want to see my favorite team whatever team you choose to to cheer for and you're a fan of to try to win. And whatever that looks like, Mo, so be it. You know, I don't need an incentive to spend money. I don't need a reason why I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. Either you're going to give me your best effort or you're not. 
it's very simple. So for me, I listen to these things. They sound great. I think the lawyers are trying to justify why they're getting paid, what they're getting paid. <laughs> I, think, I think the mathematicians are all trying to justify why they're going to get paid. Everyone's justifying their position here. I will gladly listen to you and we can go through this and sort it out. However, you know what I want to see, Mo? I just want to see the teams go out and try. You know, now no. should we give them, should we give the players an incentive to play harder during the game? So we'll have a midseason team. Should we give them more incentive to play in the All-Star game? Should we give the 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 governors an incentive to spend in the luxury tax? It's it's Mo, like you know, I go to the gym, I give my very best effort, and I go home. How about that? Mm-hmm. Just a, <laughs> how about that, Mo? Mm-hmm. I, I, it, uh, it's, it's, it's not this complicated. So, okay, so again, I'm gonna. I, that's what I wanted to say. But I'll listen to you, and we can go through it, though. Yeah. So you know, one of the things that will make teams more competitive is wider parity in the league, right? For example, the Western Conference now between the fourth seed and the thirteenth seed, they're only separated by about four games. So a lot more teams think they have the chance of getting to the playoffs or making a run in the postseason than they would usually if there was a bigger gap between the playoff teams and the teams outside the playoffs. So what the NBA wants to do in the new CBA is smooth out the process by which the salary cap rises when there's a new TV deal. So, you know, I heard that the TNT deal with the NBA is looking at being about four or $5 billion coming in. And, you know, we see these huge spikes. I think it was in just after the 2016 season where we saw the last big spike with the new TV deal, which is what allowed the Warriors to get Kevin Durant. And we saw those huge contracts for Timothy Moskov and Luol Deng. Shout out to Luol Deng. But the NBA wants to gradually increase those spikes rather than having one off-season where the salary cap spikes up massively. They want to smooth out that process. And I think by doing that, you will eliminate the ability to form quote-unquote super teams like the Warriors did with Kevin Durant. Because in any other season, they wouldn't have been able to acquire him. But because of the massive jump in the salary cap, that's the reason they were able to get be, be able to get him on board. So I think that is definitely an interesting issue. And I think it's a great idea. But the big concern for the NBA is the issue of load management and the resting of players and teams being concerned about that as well because at the end of the day fans are paying a lot of money to come and see their favorite players and on any given night the superstars might just be resting they might just decide that they don't want to play that game do you see them finding a way to fixing that issue yeah um yeah i I was just thinking about what you said before that you know as far as players moving listen you know more like in in life you know we here in america i can i can say here in america cuz i live here you know if things don't work out at franchise x whatever you're doing you have an option to go work somewhere else what's the problem with that like what's the problem with that if owner x decides to trade player B or governor, whatever we want to refer to him as now. That's okay. Right. That's okay. That's okay. Like, yeah, that's okay. All right. I I don't have a problem with that. So what's the problem with players 
you know, Mo and I decided to do a podcast together. What's wrong with that? Well, it goes back to your earlier point. Now, I agree with you on a human level. I have absolutely no issue whatsoever on players dictating where they want to play. But the issue that you described before about teams wanting to compete and wanting to win, it also leads into another discussion point here um, of something else they're putting in, is teams, players being able to leave in free agency and the team they're leaving getting nothing in return for that player walking out the door is detrimental to the competitiveness of the league. Because on any given day, a player can leave when they hit free agency and you can be the best player on the team and then you leave and then the team has to just figure it out after that. So I've got no issue with the players doing what they want to do. But in the interests of having a more competitive league, you would hope that if a player wants to move, that they are traded rather than just walking away from the team. So now another thing that's discussed in the new CBA is increasing the contract extension limits. So instead of the current 120% that can be offered for a contract extension, it may be increased to 140 to 150%, giving teams an incentive to offer more money to a player to retain their services to play for their franchise. Okay. Here is the issue with the here's here is the in my opinion, I'm saying this with great humility. Everything always comes down to in the interest of the league. Okay. So the league wants it to be more competitive. What do the players want? They're the ones who are playing. I'm gonna say this again. They are the ones who are doing the work. That's, a, that, that's what it is. This is a business arrangement, right? They play and they have a partnership with the governors that make up this league. And what's the partnership here that's going to work for everyone involved? Okay. So if the players want to go and, and play together and they all want to be on one team, you and I both know there's only so much money that they can pay all of these players. Right. Yeah. So that's right. All right. If 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 a guy wants to go play for the minimum over here, so be it. So be it. If you want to, if Mo wants to go play over here for the minimum to win, so be it. It's only so many players that can move the needle that affects the bottom line. That's it. That, that's that's just the, that's just what it is. It is what yes. it is. Okay, so, and if that's what if that's the decision of the players to do that, to value whatever it is they value and whatever whatever lens they want to see it, so be it. But from the league's perspective, the one thing you don't want to do is to say I'm going to influence your decision. By just giving you more money because that's better business for just have a true relationship with these young people with the players if it's a true partnership mo that's going to involve a true relationship yeah. so the most valuable thing here in this negotiation is a negotiation doesn't start mo until someone can actually say no and it's meaningful you're not saying no because you want to be 
difficult to deal with? You're saying no, because no, that's not a good deal if we're going to have a true partnership. So if you're asking me, right, if they were to ask me, which they're not, but if they were, the most valuable thing in today's environment is the relationship that they actually have with one another, that they can have a meaningful conversation and really address the issue. Because the issue can't be, hey, Mo, I'll pay you more if you do what I tell you to do. That's not a negotiation. That just seems like <laughs> that seems like you're just in, trying to influence someone to get whatever you want. What is Mo's true interest here? What's your true feeling in this negotiation? And Mo wants to be respected. The other side wants to be respected. And then you guys can figure that out. That's called reason and logic. Now, if that is not the true conversation, I'm just too old now to... I don't I don't have time for that anymore. I'm like, okay, <laughs> like these guys can figure it out. They're, they're way smarter than me. However, when I played, I dealt with it. When I was an executive, I dealt with it. In my currently in my career working as an agent, I've dealt with it. And this same issue has been here most since the 80s, since I've been a part of this league. It hasn't okay. changed one bit. So in 2023, Mo, I've come to the conclusion. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. But guess what I know about them? They're not smart enough to figure it out either. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to keep playing the same game. And the game is, well, the salary cap is increasing. So we'll give you now 140% and compared to 120%. And load management will come. And, Mo, oh, we've been dealing with this. Here's the deal. Just treat me with respect. Uh, how about that? How about we just start there? I'm going to treat you with respect. You treat me with respect. And if we can't figure out how to divide up billions of dollars in this pie, then shame <laughs> on us. <laughs> shame on us if we can't figure that out. Okay? But, Mo, I'm just a simple man. So I just listen every year when these things come up, and I just listen, and then I go about it. But the thing that I will say is this. A real negotiation doesn't start, Mo, until you can say no. That's what I've come to understand. And if you can't say no, then you're not negotiating. So until these two groups, right, the players and the governors come together and they can look at each other with respect. And, and, and then with that word respect, they can begin to figure out how to divide up these billions of dollars because, Mo, you're talking about billions of dollars. If Mo and I can't figure out as a team how to divide up a billion dollars amongst us too, shame on us, Mo. Shame on you and I, I for not I, I being able to figure out. I wish we had that problem. You guys need to subscribe so one day we have that problem. But we don't have that problem right now. The final one that I want to talk about, though, in the new CBA is the talks about lowering the age eligibility limit to 18 so that players can come directly from high school into the NBA rather than having to do a year at college, which I think is a great idea because it gives players the chance to get paid rather than going to college and spending like six, nine months at a college program, maybe, um, or, or going and playing pro elsewhere for a lot less than what they'd make in the NBA and, uh, you know, running the risk of being injured and having their NBA career disrupted. So I like that idea. Uh, one thing that the league is keen on is retaining the presence of veterans on these teams, however, to, you know, mentor these young guys that are coming into the league. What do you think about that, BJ, having high school kids once again? Because we've seen LeBron James, you know, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, some some of the all-time greatest players to ever play the sport came directly from high school to the NBA. And they're thinking of going back 
to allowing that process? Again, well, I, I again, please excuse me, because I, I've been looking at this and been hearing this problem for so long. Listen, the last time I checked, they called it professional sports. Correct? That's what it's yes, called, right? Okay. Since when is it my job as a professional athlete to begin to mentor young people who are trying? to take my job as a professional athlete. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me. I'll say it again. You're paying me as a professional athlete. Then you begin to draft people with potential and then put that responsibility on me to mentor. Now, Mo, I'm looking at all of these things that's going on, right? I, when I look at the benches of these teams, I will count upwards to 14, 15, 16 coaches sitting on the bench now. Some on the front of the bench, some behind the bench. Everyone has a developmental coach or a developmental team. Everyone now has a G League team to develop these players. Summer League games now are broadcast in the summer and they have a Summer League championship. Mm-hmm. Everyone is grinding in the summer. Everyone's posting their workouts. Is this, is this a developmental league or is this professional basketball? Professional basketball demands the following. I get paid to win the game. <laughs> Mo, I'm just a simple person. They paid me, Mo, to make shots. They didn't pay me to work out. They didn't pay me to try. They paid me to get the job done. And if I didn't get it done, they'll find somebody else to get it done. Now, to me, professional sports is very simple. Now you want me as a player to mentor the 18-year-old guy. <laughs> He's, coming to take your shots. He's coming to take your shots and your minutes and your spot on the rotation. It just doesn't... Bo, we have currently, what, 17, 18 guys on every roster? Okay. It doesn't make sense. All of this is a distraction. It's, these are distractions for me. I want to see five guys get out there and try to win. So do you think that they should allow the this is what I This is what I think they should do. I don't care what age you come in, but I'm going to hold you to this. Win. If you can't compete... There's a problem in our league now. It's called competition. This is professional sports. If you want to develop, there's places for you to develop. There's places for you to go. We got the G League. We got Overtime Elite. We got college. You could go anywhere. You could play anywhere in the world. But when you come here, this is where the best players play. This is where the best players compete. What's wrong with competition and demanding that everyone that comes on this floor is going to compete. That's what it is. So mm -hmm. all of this, there are distractions for me. I don't get involved with this anymore. Like I don't, I don't want to hear anymore about if you're 17 and you can play, Hey, come. If you're 18 and you can play, come. It doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. 
when you sign up to be a professional athlete, then I should hold you to the standard of a professional athlete. So you're a professional athlete, but then you need development. Well, that's not my problem. If you need to develop, then go to the place where you need to develop. If you are ready to play, then come here ready to play. I can't be everything to everyone. This is professional sports. And people, I have to respect the business and the main thing always have to be the main thing. What's the main thing? The main thing is in professional basketball, I don't know about the other sports, is I have to protect and value the 82-game schedule. That means I have to perform, perform, not play, not show up. I have to perform for 82 games and hold myself to a standard where performance is the, is the, that's the equalizer. That's the, that's the X factor. I have to perform for 82 games. And if I perform at a high enough level, Mo, that team will be able to have extended games. And we call that the playoffs. If I'm not there, if you can't help me in an 80, win 82 games, win 82 games, then, Mo, that's probably a good indicator that you're not ready yet to compete in professional sports. That's a, that, it's that simple. This isn't like complicated. Can you, you got 30 teams. Can you be one of five players on the floor at any given moment to help this team win? It's a fair question. Yeah. Now, that's a fair, Mo. That's that's it. That's professional sports. Hey, if you need to develop, okay, let's, let's go develop. Let's go work on your game. But, but since when, Mo, did the workout replace the game? Oh, the workout no. now, the workout <laughs> now has re- I'm not distracted by that. I'm not distracted by all of the things I see on social media. I'm not, I don't get into that world. What I know, Mo, is the games start at 7 or 7.30, depending on where, what time zone you're here in the States. And I want to see what you do there. I've yeah. never, ever met a player who told me he had a bad workout. <laughs> but when I watch the games, I see some games where the games aren't that good. So the games matter. The 82 games matter. And if you want to play... Play there. Don't don't I don't want I don't you you work you're working out. Okay. Whoa. All right. Yeah. You're working yeah. out. You're I hear training. You. All of that. You that's fine. Do whatever you need to do to get ready for the game. Some players used to like to read books. Some players used to like to listen to music. Some players like to sit and meditate. Some players like to go and warm up and shoot. I don't care what you like to do. It doesn't matter to me. But at 7 7 30, Mo, I just want Mo to be at his best. And that's not asking too much. Since when did I now got to deal with all this other stuff? No, I'm just going to stay focused and say at 7, 7.30, when the popcorn is popping, when the fans are in the building and the show starts, I want to see the people who are going to perform when the lights are the brightest. That's my game. That's when I'm at my best. That's what I want to see. And... If you can't perform there, then you probably need a little work. And 
There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not going to take on the other parts that we're saying, oh, we need this, we need that, we need mentors, we need more rosters. But we got more players in the league than it's ever been in the history of the game. We have more coaches in the league than it's ever been in the history of the game. How can, how can I look at load management in a league mode? At one point, there were only 11 to 12 players on a roster. Now there are like 17 15, players on the roster. Yeah. Two on a roster. So, yeah. Mo, I got more players that can help me get through the season than I've ever had. That means, Mo, I have decreased practice time. Why? Because you got more bodies. Okay? If you're only practicing with 11 guys, Mo, there's no sub. There's one guy that can come in and sub. Yeah. (laughs) So how did the players play more games with less bodies, worse travel, da-da-da-da-da-da, and these guys have... 17 guys, better travel, all of the resources you can ask. Okay, Mo, I, I, I don't know. I'm just a guy. I'm just looking. I'm not here to whatever. How It doesn't even make sense to me. Mo, I was 165, 170 pounds max when I played. Mo, how did I? I did it. So I know what it feels like. I did it, Mo. I did it for like five, yeah, six, seven yeah. years in a row. So yeah. in the end, low management means nothing to me. I yep. hear you. I respect it. I respect the, the, the issue. I hear what people, but Mo, if I want to know what it's like to climb Mount Everest, wouldn't it be in my best interest to go ask somebody who's actually done it? Yes. So what's the point here? Like, you want to talk about load management. What's the point? I don't know the issues of today. I watch it. If they were to ask me, I would give my views. So I just watch it. I listen. And I respectfully listen. I'm not here to say this, bad and whatever. But, Mo, when it comes to 82-game schedule, I got some ideas how to get through it. <laughs> I got some ideas of why they're not getting through it now. Okay, Bo, I'm not naive to what's going on in the world. Okay, I know I'm older. I know, you know, I know your generation refers to me, you know, you're the OG and all that stuff. Okay, that's fine. That's great. But if I'm the true OG, why are you not asking the OG how to do it if you can't do it? <laughs> that don't make sense to me. So, Mo, that's why I smile a lot, because I know what it is. See, I'm not naive to what's going on. I'm not asking the question, load management. The people who are asking the question, one or two things. Either they don't know, which is possible, or they're naive to see the, the 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 clues and the cues of why players aren't getting through. I'm not, Mo. I've been there. I hear it. I hear I, it. I, 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 I've seen this movie. So yeah. the best thing I can do is just laugh, smile, and keep it moving because it's obvious to me what it is, but I'm I'm just the guy. We do a podcast and we have a little fun doing it. And let's keep it moving. It's not a oh, it's the old guy or no, Mo. This is what it is. I know why they're not getting through. 
You don't, you ain't never heard me ask, well, what, why can't they play? Or back in my day, no, Mo, I, I, I've climbed that mountain. That's, that's another conversation. I know why. I know. This is another conversation that we're not going to go into on it. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. But I just want to say this. So when they put this out, I know with absolute certainty why they're not getting through it. Now, I'm not the one to say it. It's their league. It's their league. This is their time. This is this group. And out of respect, there's that word again, out of respect, I'm going to give this generation their respect to take control of their league. It's their time. I'm in the back seat, Mo. I tell my kids this all the time. You guys are driving the car now. I'm in the back seat. Me and mom are in the back seat. It's your time now. Now, if you need help, hey, ask us. If not, we'll, we'll, we're going to play our positions now. And this generation, I'm going to watch them. And I'm just going to watch them until they ask what's going on. I hope some of them are listening. Um, we're already 30 minutes deep into this show, so we're going to have to rush through the rest. BJ, yeah. I said I wanted to get the fans more involved, so we've got another take from one of the fans. Our good friend Jack, the UK's number one Sacramento Kings fan, has sent in his his question or his hot take, should I say. And it's good times in Sacramento right now. They're on a roll. Um, I think right now, De'Aaron Fox might be one of the most clutch players in the league. We've seen them put oh. some amazing performances. <laughs> and Jack says, if the Kings have home court advantage in the playoffs, they will get past the first round. So not only will they break their playoff drought, they'll get through the first round and further on into the playoffs. What do you make of Sacramento's chances? Because what are they now? 10 games over 500? There's no doubt that they're going to be in the playoffs. Do you see them beating? Because if we look at the current standings, right, they're sitting at third. As it currently stands, they'd play the Dallas Mavericks. I kind of like Sacramento in that matchup if they meet the Dallas Mavericks. I know Luka Doncic is a force in the playoffs. I know Kyrie can score, but I like what the Kings are doing. I think they got what it takes to get through that matchup. The rest of the other teams that they could face, they could face, you know, maybe the Clippers, maybe the Warriors, maybe the Jazz, Timberwolves, Pelicans, Lakers, even if they make it. What do you make of the Kings' chances to progress in the playoffs? Well, I, I want to say this. Um, Coach Brown has done an incredible job with this group, okay? Coming there to Sacramento. And every team in the league, they have their own style of the way that they play. You know, Mo, when that trade happened, I think it was a year ago, yep. I told you then I really liked it because I saw the potential of what it could be. I I I, I liked it. And, and some people were, ah, some people were. You, you liked said, it for Sacramento. Yeah, I liked yeah, it for Indiana. Yeah, and yeah, we were both yeah, right yeah, because right. It's, it's come out great for both sides. It's a, yes. I, I, I really really I, I i just remember i was i was i was like that's a really good trade like halliburton you know i thought he could be a player who should have an opportunity to start but it wasn't going to happen there with De'Aaron fox sabonis i i i just liked him i i i've always liked him since he was in gonzaga and the thing that i'm most impressed with with sacramento is they're playing meaningful games mo late in the season whether or not they advance, it's all about matchups. You know, whether you have the uh, – every team understands this more, and I don't, I don't like to, you know, sometimes you got to be careful what you say. 
you know, as far as telling people the truth. Here's the truth. Every team that goes into the playoffs knows the following. If you can't win on the road at this stage, you probably don't deserve it. You probably don't deserve or should be in the playoffs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. That's okay. Every team, the team that wins the championship this year, they're going to win it, Mo, because they were able to win on the road. That's a fact. Okay. So here's what the playoffs is all about. It's about matchups. If the Kings were to play the Dallas Mavericks in the first round of the playoffs, and let's say they did have the home court, no one's going to convince me now, and no one's going to convince me then, if that were to happen, that Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving weren't capable of winning a game on the road to take away home court advantage. <laughs> okay? Bo, that's yeah. a fact. Luka Doncic yep. has shown us by himself that he just beat the Phoenix Suns a year ago on game seven on the road. Yeah. And they were up about 30, 40 points. So home court sounds good. It's comforting. It sounds good on your, on your, on your chart sheet and all of those things. However, this is professional sports. Luka Doncic is that good and that capable of an offensive player. Provided he gets in the playoff series. When we know Mo, the game is probably going to, he probably will be the best player in the series, especially on the offensive end. Now, Sacramento clearly will try to impose their will by playing at a pace and get Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving to play at their pace, which to me is phenomenal watching Coach Brown saying, this is how we play. Like I watched them play the other night versus the uh, the LA Clippers. Oh, what a game that was. 176, 175. Coach Brown said, okay, Kawhi Leonard was probably the best player on the floor. Yep. But the best team on the floor was the Sacramento Kings because Malik Monk, Sabonis, and De'Aaron Fox played their style and they imposed their style of play on the game. And in the end, they won the game in double overtime. So I love what Sacramento's doing. However, I'm just excited for them to be playing meaningful games. And I think it would be phenomenal for them to be in the playoffs versus whoever. Because Sacramento hasn't been in the playoffs for so long that now this is important for their psyche. Now, I wouldn't want to play the Dallas Mavericks in the first round just because I know those players. Kyrie Irving is a, is, is a champion. He's won a championship. Kyrie Irving won a championship by the way, on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he did, no doubt. Okay. No doubt he did. So, yeah, 2016 and, was a long time ago. And Luka Doncic, it, it's a long time. However, the memory is still there. His confidence is still there. Yeah. Luka Doncic. And, and Luka's a stone-cold killer. We know that. We know that. Okay. So I'm not buying any of that, but it sounds good. But truthfully speaking, let's just have the Sacramento Kings play meaningful games. Let's light this beam as many times as we can. And I think it would be incredible because I'm a Kings fan. I love what they're doing. I think Coach Brown should be up for Coach of the Year. De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis are incredible. I mean, both of them could be most improved player this year. I think both of them are they are worthy to be, you know, in, in all NBA this year, both of them. They were both all-stars, as they should have been. And I just think this is great. They made a great draft pick in the kid, Keegan Murray. Malik Monk should probably be up there for six man of the year. 
They got everything cooking for them right now. So I'm going to enjoy this. If Once they get to the playoffs, the fact that they will now be tasked with the next phase of their development is how to win at home, how to win on the road, and then we'll see how far this goes. Because right now, I'm not going to get caught into, well, if we got this, we should automatically win. No, that's not how basketball works. I we all know, I Mo, that you lose that one game, Mo, first game everything of a series. Cha- everything changes. Ask your Boston Celtics. And the Celtics oh, had oh, home court man. all – they had the home, home court for the whole playoffs and couldn't get it done. But where did they win, Mo, to get it done? On the road, baby. That's where the champions live. The champions live on the road. You got to be a. You have to literally be a road warrior. So everything that happens will happen on the road. And if you want to win games, you better make free throws on the road. And you better have the discipline to do what's necessary to be able to show up with the effort and energy necessary to win on the road. So yeah, well, the C's won Game Seven in Miami on the road, and then they won Game One in Golden State on the road, and then <laughs> the wheels fell off. But that's well, a whole. We're not going to revisit that. Real quick now to end the show, BJ. We saw a spectacular performance from Damian Lillard on Sunday night where he scored 71 points. Another high-scoring performance from this season. So real quick, I want to know from you, give me three players in the league right now that you think would be able to score more than 71 in a game and could we see any of them even reach the 100-point mark in the near future? I think Giannis could do it. I think Joel Embiid could do it. Giannis, even without the three-point shooting element, or do you think it's on a night where he gets hot and he hits four or five threes and gets rolling off that? Well, here's the thing to me about scoring is, you know, the way these guys are playing now, they're shooting. Like Donovan Mitchell had like 70, if I remember, right? Yeah. Donovan had like 70. He had 71 too, right? Do I think it's capable? Do I think guys are capable of scoring and big and scoring 30 points in a quarter? Of course. Of course. However, I think there's going to be. I could see Giannis and Joel Embiid in particular. Those two come to mind. Why? Because both of them are capable of getting hot from three, right? If they score like, let's say, six to 10 threes in a game. Okay. Now, along with their ability to score from the mid-range and their ability to score on the post and their ability to get offensive rebounds, I just think they have more opportunity. Do I think it's capable? Do I think these Damian Lillards and Donovan Mitchells? Yeah, that, that's here. But when you can score and get an offensive rebound, when you can score because you're going to get the ball on the post, when you can score and now the three is just an added thing to it, now I think it's just – you can totally dominate the game. So I, you know, I remember watching the game when the late Kobe Bryant scored. I, I was like, oh, wow. He's dominating. The 81 points he dropped. He can, he can get you through the totality of the game. You know, I didn't watch the Damian Lillard game. I watched, you know, some of the highlights of it. You know, listen, he was, he was on fire from three. I mean, I, I, I just happened to be watching the Donovan Mitchell game when he scored. I was like, okay, he was, he was hot from three. However, when you have a guy who's hot from three, who doesn't shoot, normally shoot the three, and he continues to score 40 points without the three or 50 points without a three ball, now you're saying this is a real possibility to score 
80, 90, or 100 points in a game. I'm not saying that these yep. guys won't do it, but when you suddenly, if Joel Embiid scores 50 without the three, and then yeah. suddenly he has a night where the three ball is where he goes, let's say eight for 11 from three with his normal, whatever he's yep. doing from yep. two. And, and he'll get to the free throw line. He'll get to the free throw line a hundred times in a game. That's what I'm saying. I just think, I think the, the scoring availability is much higher with that than with Damian. Damian, look, at some point here, you would think that you would just, I don't know, trap the guy or do something to take away the three ball. Okay. That's what made Kobe Bryant so impressive was because he was doing it from the post. He was doing it offensive rebounding. He was doing it from the mid range and the three ball was working. Mm-hmm. I just think that is going to be one of the requirements. And you got to get to the free throw line, okay? Yep. You know what I mean? Where, Stop uh, the clock, easy points. Yes, yeah, game, yeah, you know? yeah. See, oh, so uh, you had Embiid, you had Giannis. Who's the third player on your list? Uh, that's the only two that I uh, that I see that, that just come up. You know, like Jason Tatum is probably capable, right? Yep. I, I think he's capable. It, on a I night if Jalen Brown's not there and he has to carry more, I think it would be more likely. Same with Embiid. If Harden and Maxi yeah. weren't available, then it would be more likely. And same with Giannis out of necessity. I don't think Giannis is going to go out there and score 70, 80, 90, 100 like, points. I can see, like Giannis, like I, Joel Embiid would probably be tough because you got to be at a certain level of conditioning to do it. I don't know if Joel yep. could, could push himself through that. You know what I mean? I think KD. Well, I think he has to get. I think KD as well, though. I don't think KD. Listen, KD can do whatever he wants. However, I don't think KD at this stage of his career plays from the post enough to do it. He can okay. do it. I don't think he plays from the post. Like, look, he's he could do whatever he wants to do. I mean, this guy is a scoring machine. He can do whatever. He, however, at this stage of his career, I don't think he plays enough from the post to get to the free throw line enough to do it. No, because you got to be able to play through the contact. The, getting to the free throw line, you know, you're going to need at least need 15 to 20 points from the free throw line to get this done. You're going to need, you know, 20 or more or 20, at least 20 or more two pointers. Right. <laughs> and then you're going to need a minimum of six to 10 threes. Right. You're going to have to a minimum get up 35, 35, 40 shots. Right. To get this done. So. That's a that's a that's a workload. Jason Tatum, I think, has the ability to do it. I don't think right now he plays enough from the post to be able to get to the free throw line enough to do it. You know, because um, you got to be able to play through the contact. You got to stop the yeah. clock. Well, well, the leaders in getting uh, in getting to the free throw line and and converting their free throws right now. Embiid leads the league with ten of them a night. Shagos Alexander, 9.6 a night. Dame Lillard, who just had the 71, he gets to the free throw line and scores 8.5 a night. Giannis is up there with 8.2. Luca's up there with 8. Trey Young up there with 7.9. So Tatum's up there as well, 7.4. So I see it. I do see it. I think it's I think it's interesting that a guard, a smaller guard in particular, like Donovan Mitchell, was able to do that. And Damian Lillard being a point guard as well was able to do that. I think that means someone like a Trey Young, for instance, could be capable of going for a 60 or a 70 
But getting to that 100 is a whole nother leap. And that's where I think maybe the physicality and the free throws kind of come into play. And it's the durability as well to be fouled that many times and still be going and still be going and still be going. So it's an interesting one. But you guys at home, let us know. Get involved in the Discord, which is linked in the description. Let us know who you think is the player in the NBA that will be most likely to score 100 points in a game. I don't. I personally don't see 100 coming anytime soon. Oh, yeah. It'll be here, Mo. But, it'll but be here. When I say soon, I mean like this season or next season. But after that, who knows? Maybe this kid in France is, is listening to the show and... Uh, he has a thing or two to say, but only time's going to tell. So make sure you stay locked in because we'll be bringing you updates on everything that happens around the NBA every day until someone scores 100 and even after that. So you guys let us know. Make sure you're following the show. Make sure you subscribe, leaving a five-star review and a rating. And most importantly, until next time, you know the vibes. Get buckets. <laughs>